Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Last week we began a three-week Christmas series that we've titled, The God Who Understands Me. And we looked at a few different verses, but really the introduction for where that came from is from Emmanuel. God with us. And for those who were here last week, you might recall our uh, Gavin Newsom illustration, somebody in leadership that we feel like maybe sometimes doesn't quite understand us. We talked about his, uh, his meal at the French Laundry, and we talked about when there's a leader that we feel is kind of disconnected from, from the common person, uh, we're not as likely to follow or to kind of listen and really think that they have our best interests at heart. But we looked at Uh, We don't serve a distant, impersonal deity that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We, We serve a God who understands us. And that really is what Christmas is about, God with us. He came to be with us, God for us. He's he's for us, he's not against us. And we saw that last week, the God who understands me. I shared with you one of the most encouraging verses, in my opinion, in all of Scripture from Hebrews chapter number 4, where it says of our Savior, it says, for we have not an high priest. That idea, the high priest in the Old Testament was the only one that had access to God, and he was one that lived a very different, special life, if you will, had special responsibilities. We serve not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, tempted like as we yet without sin. Let us therefore, whenever you see the word therefore when you're reading your Bible, you should look to see what it's there for. It's pointing back to something because he's been through what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may, the Bible says that we may be obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We serve the God who understands me. God left, Jesus left the glories of, of heaven, came to a dirty manger in a small town with no fanfare. He truly understands the human experience from the cradle to the grave. And last week, we looked at the four fear nots in the Christmas story. We saw Matthew 1 and Luke 2. If you were here, if not, you can catch that message online. But we looked at the four fear nots of the Christmas story. And what we said was, it was interesting that so many of those that were closely associated to Jesus coming to earth were really scared about it. They had great, they were troubled greatly. And we saw four different times, four different people, for four different reasons, the angel said, fear not. And we saw that Christmas is a reminder that we have a God that understands my fears. This morning, we're going to see that we have a God who understands my pain. This morning, we're going to look at the God who understands my pain. We have a saying in our vernacular, I feel your what? I feel your pain. Don't we say that sometimes? And sometimes we say it almost humorously if somebody's going through, oh, I feel your pain. But what is it? It's a statement of empathy. It lets people know that 
we understand or have some idea, some inkling of what they're going through. We've been there maybe, and, and that statement in certain situations might give them hope that they can get through it. Why? Because maybe we've been through it, or vice versa. Something we're going through, we talk to someone else that God's brought them through a similar situation, and it gives us hope. If God can bring them through, God can bring me through. I feel your pain. When I see a parent of a middle school boy whose actions seem to defy all human logic and reason, I might tell them, I feel your pain, because Tiffany and I have walked through two middle school boys in our home, and now you pray for us. We have a third one getting ready on that journey, where it seems as though they are operating at times with half a brain, and that might be generous, that, that percentage. We're told physiologically that's actually true, that in those teen years, their brains are being completely rewired. So there are times like, what are you thinking? And, and if you have a middle schooler in your house, let me just tell you, here's the answer. They're not. That's the answer to that. What were you thinking? Uh, I don't know. And uh, they don't know, and that's all right. But we might say, I feel your pain when I see a husband wandering aimlessly through the grocery store aisles, trying to find all the items on his list. You know that feeling. I say, I feel your pain. Because I too have been that husband that had to ask an employee for guidance half a dozen times as I tried to locate the paprika. The baby carrots, the, uh, the, the, the diaper wipes or the dryer sheets. I saw one wife, I saw a meme, one wife tried to solve this problem for her husband. She thought maybe this would help, putting pictures of the things. This is what I'm looking for. <laughs> the truth is, and those are lighthearted things, but the truth is, when you're walking through a difficult trial, isn't it good to know that there might be someone else that feels your pain? that knows what you've been through? Doesn't that bring comfort? Doesn't it bring help? I watched and our, our dear missionary, I saw, I texted our family this morning, I saw a post this morning from our, 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 a dear friend of mine who's a missionary in Honduras, whose 18-year-old son, the same age as, as our, our oldest son, Titus, um, uh, Matt and Delita Goins in Honduras. I saw a post this morning where she posted, it was, it was I think today, a year ago, that he had come home from, from college to see them in Honduras, and they were all together. Little did she know that in March, through a tragic accident, as he was working his college job, he would be taken to heaven unexpectedly. And this is their first Christmas, and I've, I've watched on social media as, as they, God has used them to encourage and minister to others, or another person or Christian or believer that's lost a, a, a teenage son or a young adult son, and I'll see comments going back and forth, and there is a pain, there is grace that they've experienced that I know nothing of. And they, I've watched different people minister to them online, and we've talked personally. Matt and I, we were together in Florida a month or two ago, and we went out for a couple of hours and just talked about how God is, is ministering to them and how He's using others. And I've watched as God's used them to minister to others. When you've walked through something, and, or someone else has walked through something you're walking through, it often helps us when we're facing a challenging trial or a difficult season, it's good to be able to lean on someone else who's been there. And Christmas is all about a God who understands me and a God who has firsthand experience with some of the same pain that I face at times. And some of the same pain that you face at times.
Last week, we looked at the Christmas stories. Today, we're going to go backwards in time from the Christmas story, about 700 years before the first Christmas story. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter number 53. The prophet Isaiah gives a, what we call a messianic prophecy. And, and Jesus, by the way, in Scripture didn't come onto the scene in Matthew 1. Jesus is all through the Old Testament. The Bible is not some disconnected story of 66 books. It's one grand story of, 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 of the, the fall of man and then God's redemption plan being woven through all through the Old Testament. But we see in Isaiah 53, some 700 years before Jesus, the incarnation of Christ, would, would happen, before the Messiah would come to earth. And I want us to read all 12 verses, if we will. Let's follow along, and I'm going to invite you to read aloud with me. Isaiah chapter number 53, if you're following along on a phone or a tablet, I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible this morning. If you'll read aloud with me, let's read this beautiful prophecy of a coming Savior some 700 years before He would would be robed in flesh and come to be born of a virgin on that first what we would call Christmas night. Isaiah 53, let's read verse number one aloud. Ready? Begin. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great." And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And let me just stop and say that every one of these prophecies, think about America, we're about 250-ish years old, is that right? Something like that, almost 250 years old. 
three times the length of how old America is was this prophecy of Christ. And can I just stop and say that every one of those prophecies was fulfilled. The Old Testament has hundreds of prophecies of Christ, and every one of them was perfectly fulfilled. You can trust the Bible. It talks about one of the verses. It says there, he made his grave with the wicked. Who, who did he die with? He died with transgressors. It says that. Uh, it talks about that. But then it says, and with the rich in his death. Well, whose tomb did he, was he buried in? He was buried in the tomb of, of, of a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man. All of these strange, at the time when they would have heard it, kind of strange prophecies, his life fully. It says he made intercession for the transgressors, the end of verse 12. What did he pray on the cross as he was being uh, crucified between two thieves. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The transgressors, yes, on the cross, and also on the, uh, uh, those that were putting him to death, and all through there. But it's interesting. What an interesting description. It talks about the blessing that Christ will bring, the salvation that will come from him. But so much of this prophecy is about the pain that he will endure. Did you read it? A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. What are some of the greatest pains, some of the deepest hurts that we can face in this life? I want you to think about some of the deepest things that we face. And this morning, I'm going to walk through this passage. I'm going to describe some of the things that we most often struggle with in our lives. And then I'm going to point out how those are the exact things that Jesus faced when he came to earth. And it's my prayer that this message will lead you to run to Christ with every pain that you're facing. On Wednesday night, we had a special service, Comfort at Christmas, where I preached a message on comfort, and I talked about how often we go to the wrong things to find comfort in the midst of our pain. Some people will run to a substance to find peace and comfort in the midst of their pain. Others might run to a, an unhealthy relationship trying to find peace in their pain. Others might run to achievement in life, or maybe if I just get this, or I accomplish that, or I get to this level, then I'll finally feel fulfilled. I'll, I'll, this will get my mind off of the pain. We sometimes run to the wrong things, but we have a Savior who knows what we're facing, and it's my prayer that today we'll be reminded and run to that Savior, the God who understands my pain. My prayer is that this reminder will lead us to run to Christ and to be encouraged that we have a God that truly does understand your pain. I don't know what you're facing today. Some of you I do. Some of you I'm praying with you about a, a very deep need. I mentioned a couple of, of, of things. The Garcel family walking through a very deep season right now. A lot of tears. There have been sleepless nights and uncertainty and hurt in that family right now. Some pain in our church I do know of, but there's others that I have no idea what you're walking through. But it doesn't matter necessarily if I know what you're walking through. Today's message is a reminder that there's a God who understands your pain. The Savior that we celebrate at Christmas, that little baby, he didn't stay a baby in the cradle, oh no, he became a Savior on the cross and then a resurrected Savior from the tomb, and he understands your pain. What are some of the deepest pains and hurts that we can face in this life? I would, I would say, number one, uh, we see in, in Jesus, look at verse number uh, two, look what it says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no 
form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know what the Bible says, basically? To most people, he's going to be really unimpressive and seemingly insignificant. One of the pains that we find sometimes in our lives, one of the things that causes us the greatest pain is that feeling of insignificance. And let me just stop and make it clear that in no way was Jesus Christ's life and ministry on earth insignificant, but it did seem that way to many, didn't it? Do you remember what they said? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? What? Nazareth? That little, that little place, that little obscure little town of a couple hundred people, you're telling me the Savior of the world is going to come from that insignificant place? When he was born, who were the first ones to see him? We talked about it last Sunday. The shepherds. Who were the shepherds? The most insignificant people on earth. Who is this common carpenter's son from that little town? Jesus never owned a home, the Bible says. He never owned a house. He never had any earthly goods. He didn't even have a pillow, the Bible says, to lay his head on. In the world's eyes, when Christ walked this earth, he couldn't have been less impressive, and his resume couldn't have been any less or any more insignificant. Of course, we understand that his life couldn't have been uh, any more significant to the history of the world, but he knows what it's like to be considered insignificant. Oh, you're just that, that, that strange carpenter's son. What's going on here and what's going on there? Who's that, who's that one that all those disciples, those common disciples, those guys that aren't real educated, those 12 fishermen and tax collectors, they're following him. Jesus knows what it's like to be considered unimportant and to be treated that way, to be considered insignificant. And may I stop and say this morning that just as it's not true that Christ's life was insignificant, I want to say it isn't true of you either, no matter how you may feel. A reminder that you and I are made in God's image. We're made with a purpose and a plan. And do you ever struggle with, what's my life really all about anyways? Am I, am I really, is my life significant? Maybe if I achieve that, or if I buy that, or if I live there, if I go there, then my life will matter. And sometimes we struggle with this feeling of my life is really insignificant. I'm not really making much of a difference. And I'm here to tell you that that, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Your life does matter. Jesus does love you. He knows who you are. He knows the number of hairs on your head. This isn't a power of positive thinking thing. This is a reminder that they view viewed him as insignificant, and sometimes we view, and I'm not saying that, that, that we are as important as Christ necessarily. What I am saying is God has a specific purpose for you to fill, and your life does matter. Let God use you. He'll use you if you'll let him. You matter in the eternal plan of the creator of the universe. I want to say that line again. You matter in the eternal plan of the creator of the universe. Don't get over that glorious truth. Look at verse number three, please. The first three words, would you read them aloud with me? The first three words, ready, begin. He is. He's what? Have you ever been despised? Looked down upon? Misunderstood? Mistreated? The truth is, to be despised by someone hurts, doesn't it? 
Somebody to misunderstand what you're trying to do and who you're trying to be, it hurts, doesn't it? Someone to mistreat you, that hurts, doesn't it? And the Bible says he is, by the way, these were prophecies, but this all came to fulfillment. He was despised and rejected of men. He knows what it's like to be looked down upon. He knows what it's like to be spit on. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood, to be mistreated, to be falsely accused, to be lied about. As he hung on the cross, Matthew 27 tells us that as they passed by, those that passed by, they reviled him, wagging their heads at him. They looked at him and said, if you're really God's son, bring yourself down off the cross. You say you're God's son. Look at you. Look at you're dying like a criminal. Look at you. Your embarrassment. You couldn't even tell him, you're letting those people beat you up. He was despised. He was beaten. He was mistreated. He was misunderstood. Christmas is a reminder that you and I have a God who understands being despised in spite of just trying to be who God has called you to be. It says he is despised, verse 3, and rejected of men. Rejected of men, he knows what it is to be betrayed. He was acquainted with betrayal. He was rejected by those he came to save and to serve. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He understands rejection, and yet he forgave those who rejected him. Father, forgive them. What an example. For they know not what they do. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been betrayed by somebody that you love? Have you ever been mistreated by somebody that you gave your life to? And that, 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 those, to, to have somebody in your life that you love or care for deeply either walk out on you or betray you, that, that's some of the deepest hurt that a person can face. And you know what? We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It was in all points tempted like as we yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can find mercy and help in our time of need. Why? Because he understands your pain. Somebody that you love hurt you deeply. What happened to Jesus? He gave three years, really his entire, what you might call professional career, if I can say it that way, his public ministry. He gave those three years, yes, to multitudes, but really to 12 men that he hand-selected, that walked with him 24-7 everywhere he went. He poured himself into them. He taught them. He loved them. One of them completely rejected everything he taught, sold him for 30 pieces of silver, betrayed him for a handful of silver. That was one of the 12 that he gave his whole life and ministry to. The other 11, the Bible says, in the darkest moment of his life, they all walked out on him. They all left. There wasn't one left on that night. They all went away, the Bible says. They all were scattered. Now, yes, they came back and began to serve him, but he knows some of his final moments on earth were being rejected. That We call it the inner three, Peter, James, and John. Peter, one of the, th the, th one of the 12 that he was closest to. What happened when he was being taken to be imprisoned? What happened? He looked and Peter denied that he even knew who he was. He began to curse and to swear. And you remember the rooster crowed? And the Bible says that when that happened, Jesus and Peter, they saw each other and Peter went out and wept bitterly. As Jesus in his deepest moment, what was he experiencing? Not just rejection of those that hated him, 
but betrayal by those who loved him. To be rejected hurts. I read the story of George Washington Carver, the famous African-American scientist and inventor. He'd been born a slave, and, and of course, many of us know his life story, a man that accomplished amazing things. When it was time for him to go to college, he had been accepted to the university he wanted to go to. And then they found out, uh, later on, they found out the color of his skin, and when they did, they rejected, they rescinded his acceptance to that university. He was not able to go to the college he had been accepted uh, uh, to because of how God had made him, the color of his skin. As he became more prominent later on in life, and he became more well-known and more respected, Many pressed him to reveal, they said, which college was it that accepted you and then retracted that acceptance? What college was it that didn't let you come because of the color of your skin? And he refused to tell. He said it wasn't that big of a deal. And one person that knew Carver, here's what they said of him as the way that he, re- he, re- he treated the rejection in his life. They said, George Washington Carver, he had a peace that passed all understanding and all misunderstanding. A peace that passed all understanding and misunderstanding. You know what he said? I'm not going to live my life dwelling on those that have rejected me. What a beautiful picture of our Savior. What does the Bible say? Look at verse number seven, if you will. Verse number seven, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. What does the Bible say? He didn't answer those that betrayed him. He didn't dwell. What did he do to the very end in the midst of his deepest betrayal and deepest rejection? He continued to love. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today to the thief on the cross, thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't dwell and try to get revenge on those that betrayed him and those that rejected him. He continued. What did he do to Judas when Judas came to betray him? Judas came and gave him a kiss. Jesus could have done anything. Peter cut the soldier's ear off with the sword. Jesus healed the soldier that was about to imprison him. He knows. And again, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know who has hurt you. But we have a God who understands your pain. Christmas is a reminder of the God who understands your pain. He knows what it's like to have loved ones turn their backs on you. He understands your pain. Look at the middle of verse number three. He was despised and rejected of men. Notice this, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. A man that understood our Savior understands heartbreak. He understood physical pain. He understood relational pain. He understood emotional pain. He understood people that loved, uh, that he loved misunderstanding him. He understood people that he invested in walking away from him. It seems, as you read scripture, that even his own half-siblings didn't accept his teachings while he was alive on earth. That James, the half-brother of John, uh, Jesus, did later. But while he was on earth, none of his own relatives were a part of the twelve. We don't know all of it, but Jesus understands different families. Dynamics. He was born into a home where he was, he was raised, I guess you could say, by a stepdad. He understands those things. Uh, we don't know for sure, but many uh, suggest and theorize that his dad very likely died at an early age because we never, after G- the story of Jesus at age 12 in the temple, we never hear of Joseph again in the scriptural account. We can't say that with certainty, but we know his mom Mary was there when he was being crucified, and Joseph was not mentioned anywhere. He understands 
understands, we know that he understands what it's like to have a loved one die in death. The shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, the Bible says what? Jesus wept. Why? Because Lazarus had died. The one he loved had died. Jesus wept. Other times he, he groaned in his spirit. He was, he was at other times just completely exhausted and worn out. Other times he was beaten down. Other times he was frustrated. These people that I'm giving my life to, they don't understand. He was exasperated uh, with his disciples at times. Guys, when are you going to understand? Jesus understood heartbreak in this life. He knows the grief of losing a loved one. He knows what it's like to have people who only want to be close to him because of what he, can, he had to offer them, not because they really cared about him. And when he didn't do what they wanted, they walked away. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Why, why were there, and that was just, that didn't count, that was just men, that didn't count women and children, probably 10 or 15,000 at least that he fed. Why was there such a crowd gathered there because they were really excited to see the sideshow. They were excited to see the miracles. And after he gave them what he wanted, he healed some people, and he taught some people, and, and he gave out bread and food, after the crowd had dispersed, who was left? Twelve guys. Maybe another couple dozen that followed him closely, Mary Magdalene and others. But not the multitudes. He knows what it's like that they only came when they needed something from him. That can be a tough way to live. They only want what I have to offer, and when I don't have anything to offer, they don't want anything to do with me. When I don't do what they want, they walk out on me, they betray me. He understands what it's like to be lonely, to be bruised, to be broken, to be bleeding, to be exhausted, to stumble under the load of a weight that was too heavy for him physically to carry in his humanity. By the way, I know this is a little bit of a somber message. We're talking about not the most happy, joyful pieces of life. But I just want to stop and say here, this picture that Isaiah 53 paints, this picture of he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, that doesn't really sound like the picture of the Jesus that many preachers and, uh, and prosperity gospel uh, people want to peddle to you, does it? That doesn't sound like the, the Jesus that they want to sell us so that we'll buy their latest book or send money to their online ministry. This isn't the Jesus that's going to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Follow him, and you get rich. Follow him, and everything gets easy. I preached a couple weeks ago. It doesn't always get, it gets better, but it's not always easier. And it's not, the, it's not the picture that he was despised and rejected that we want, to, we want to sell sometimes as pastors, but that picture is a beautiful picture because it's a reminder that whatever you face, he understands your pain. Lastly, what do we see at the end of verse number three? It says, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, look at this, and we esteemed him not. We didn't understand really who he was. When he walked this earth, he knows what it is to be disrespected. Have you ever underestimated the importance of someone you, you met or you were talking to? I've done that before with different people at times, and I'll, I'll be talking to someone, and somebody will say, do you know who that was? No, I have no idea. 
oh, that was, that's so-and-so, that's a billionaire that, you know, sold his company for billions of dollars. Oh, I had no idea. That's happened at different events here on our property at a church. We had somebody coming to Easter, and I came out, and someone said, we had a celebrity here for Easter, and they told me the name. I said, never heard of him. I don't know who that is, and some guy that became a billionaire in his 20s by, by, by selling his startup company, and, 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 and there are others that I've met, that people that were successful in business or here or there, and sometimes I know who I'm talking to, and others I had no idea. Thankfully, in those, I don't think I've ever disrespected them, but Christ, many that he came in contact with had no idea who they were talking to. The Son of God was in their midst, and the Bible says we esteemed him not. He was disrespected. They didn't believe him. They disrespected him. They spit in his face, literally. They crucified him to die a criminal's death when he had done nothing wrong to deserve such treatment. What is Isaiah's prophecy and the fulfillment of that prophecy some 700 years later as Christ came to earth remind us of? It reminds us we have a God who understands my pain. I couldn't list everything, obviously, but within those five things really are all of the deep pains that you and I suffer with in life. He knows what it's like to have a broken body. He knows what it's like to, be, to, to crumble under the weight of his body being physically just depleted. He couldn't go any longer, being moments from death. He knows what it's like to sweat great drops of blood because he was so overwhelmed in his spirit by all that God, uh, his father, had called him to do. Father, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die here in the garden, but nevertheless, thy, not my will, but thine be done. He knows what it's like God, his father, turned his back on him as he took upon the sins of the whole world on the cross. The Bible says that then the veil was rent in twain. He took your sin and he took mine. He knows what it's like to be deemed insignificant, to be despised, looked down on, mistreated, misunderstood, falsely accused, lied about, to be betrayed by those he had given his life to to be rejected by those that he had come to save, to face grief and sorrow and heartache deeper than any other man will ever know, to be disrespected. And because he knows our pain, he understands my pain, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5 that we should be people who are casting all our cares upon him, for he cares for us. He's the God last week that understands your fears, so fear not. And he's the God this week that understands your pain. So cast all your care upon him. Why? He cares for you. The songwriter said he cares for you. He cares for you. He ever loves and cares for you. He'll do what no one else can do for Jesus cares for you. Loneliness, the feeling of rejection, nobody cares about me. One of the hardest things to walk through in life and Isaiah 53 is a reminder, he cares for you. He understands your pain. He faced it himself. He went to the cross for you. He knows what you're facing, and he invites you to cast all your care upon him. He understands our earthly pain. We talked about those five things there. He wants to give you comfort in the midst of your earthly pain. But may I say in closing, he doesn't only understand your earthly pain, he came to keep you from ever having to endure eternal pain. 
The Bible says, and that's what Christmas is all about, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, for the wages, the payment of sin is death. Yes, physical death, we will all die physically, but the Bible says uh, it's appointed unto man once to die, after this, the judgment. There is a second death or a second life. And somebody said it this way, born, born once, die twice. You die physically and spiritually. The Bible says that's to spend eternity in a place called hell, or you can be born twice and only die once. Jesus came to take your second death, to take your sin upon you, to pay the payment of sin is death. He made that payment of sin for you and for me. The the baby in the manger, the baby in the cradle became the Savior on the cross, the sinless Savior that came to take your sin, his, your sin upon him. Why? So that you and I would not have to know the eternal torment in what the Bible calls the lake of fire. He came, he understands the eternal pain and wages of sin, and he took them upon himself. He understands, look at verse number four, the Bible says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Would you read verse five aloud, ready, begin, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Not only does he understand your pain, he took your eternal pain for you with his stripes. That is the scourging, the beating. With his stripes we are healed. Verse number six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus came to earth. Christmas is about more than just gifts and cocoa. Tonight we'll have a special service. We've called it in the past, carols, cocoa, and cookies. It's a time of a night of worship with Christmas carols and a lot of singing tonight, and we'll have cookies and cocoa there in the, in the lobby for people to fellowship. And I enjoy all of that, but Christmas isn't just about cookies and cocoa and lights and carols. Christmas is about a Savior, a Savior who understood the pain that was waiting for us in eternity, that is waiting for us in eternity if we die in our sins. So he came to earth to live a sinless life, to take your place, to bear your burden, to pay your penalty, to die in your place. And that is the truth at Christmas that should bring us great peace and joy and comfort. And if you're here today and you've never accepted his payment, you've never been saved, let this Christmas of 2023 be the year that you say, I'm going to accept your free gift. He took your pain with his stripes. We are healed. He came to take your eternal pain so that you could spend all eternity in heaven with him. Here's my question. Have you ever accepted that free gift? This week, remember, as you're struggling, Maybe you're crying, maybe you're lonely, maybe you're hurting, maybe you're, you're, whatever you're facing, I want you to remember, we have a God who understands my pain. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never accepted the healing, the spiritual healing, the forgiveness of sins that can only come through Christ, make today the day of your salvation. 
Accept that free gift, the greatest gift, while a lot of us are still doing some Christmas shopping and praying for the Amazon driver to be on time this week and getting all of our presents ready. Remember the greatest gift ever given was a Savior who took your eternal pain. He paid your penalty on the cross. He had no sins to pay for himself. He was sinless. So Jesus, God accepted that God, we sang it today, he became sin who knew no sin. God hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The greatest trade ever. We trade our sins for his righteousness. We trade all the things we've done wrong for his forgiveness. We trade our wickedness for his mercy. We trade our transgressions for his perfect love and forgiveness. Don't leave earth not knowing that you've accepted that free gift of salvation. Born once, physical birth. Die twice, physical and spiritual death. Born twice, physical birth, spiritual birth. Die once, physically. And we spend our souls, we spend eternity with our Savior in heaven. At this Christmas season, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He understands your pain. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief and accept the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life from the God who understands your pain. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's conclude our service here with a, a moment of prayer, a time to think about what we've heard. Some in this room, in the next few moments, in just a moment, Andy will begin to Pray, uh, play, and we'll have a time of prayer. We'll have pastors here at the front. You can come forward and pray. You can pray there at your seat. If you'd like someone to pray with you, we'd be honored to do that. If you have any questions about how, what this thing is, how do I become born again? How do I have that second birth? We'd love to take the Bible and show you exactly what it says and lead you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But maybe there's some here this morning that you've been searching for comfort in the wrong places. And this morning, you need to cast your care upon him remembering that he cares for you. He's a God, the God who understands our pain. He understands our fears, so we should fear not. We saw last week, he understands our pain. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we're healed. And we should find, some of us this morning should find the healing that's only found in Christ. Others of us should cast our care upon him, take our burden to the Lord, and leave it there. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. How many would say, Pastor Ryan, that message was for me. It was a reminder that I have a God. I'm not alone. I have a God that understands my pain, and with his help, I'm going to let him walk through that pain with me. Pastor Ryan, that message was for me. Uh, would you pray with me as I walk through this pain that I would cast my care upon him? Would you slip your hand up? I'd like to pray with you this morning. Many hands in the room. Is there anybody here this morning you would say, Pastor Ryan, you talked about that second birth, being born again, being saved. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've never placed my faith and trust in Him alone. I don't know for sure that my sins are forgiven. Pastor Ryan, I won't embarrass you, but I would like to pray with you. You say, that's me, Pastor Ryan. I don't know for sure that my sins are forgiven. I don't know for sure that if I were to die today that heaven is my home. Would you pray with me, Pastor Ryan? Just slip your hand up. I'd like to pray with you. Would you slip your hand up? I don't know for sure that if I were to die, I see a hand right here. I appreciate your honesty. I've been praying for that for you, and I see another hand there, and thank you. There's another one here. Thank you. Three today. I don't know for sure 
Those, that, those three and others that maybe I didn't see that just slipped your hands up, in a moment, I'd encourage you. We have our pastors here at the front. We can have a, a, a man talk with a man, a lady with a lady, take a Bible and go off where you'll have some time to uh, be shown from God's word how you can know for sure that heaven's your home, that your sins are forgiven. You could slide out in just a moment and let somebody talk with you. If you choose not to do that, I would ask you, don't leave this property without finding me or one of our pastors and letting us walk through the scriptural truth. You can have your sins forgiven, heaven your home, not because of who you are, but because of the pain, the payment that your Savior made for you on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.